We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go to Ari. Ari from Manhattan, um, thank you for patiently waiting. Welcome, welcome back. Uh, the floor is your. The, the floor is yours. What you got, Ari? What's up, man? What's up? Um, what up? What up? Um, Sean, I, I mean, I don't disagree with what you said. Um, you know, personally, me, I was always against, like, against the Donovan Mitchell trade um, because we had Brunson. And um, the question isn't who's better, like Brunson or, 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 or Spida. I think we know the answer to that. The question is, is it better to sign Jalen Brunson on a team-friendly deal in free agency versus trading all of your team for Donovan Mitchell? And I think the answer to that is very clearly signing Brunson outright and not trading your assets. So giving away, I, you're giving away your draft capital, control of your draft for the next five years. Yeah, it was just, it was hard. It was stupid to do that move. I'm happy they they did not do that move. Um, but um, with regards to the team yesterday, it was my favorite win of the season because that was my vision of the Knicks. Remember, I'm a trade Randall at his highest value guy. I will always be that. I don't care how good this guy plays, right? It's just the team as it is constructed right now, we have enough to what Sean says win a first round, maybe make some noise in the second round, but not enough to win a chip. And the ceiling is limited with, with him being your guy. I had the idea that if he wasn't on the floor, the ball would move better, the tempo would be higher, they'd play faster, and then now you have 20, 25 shots a game to redistribute to guys you want to develop and have bigger roles, right? That part of development is it's not just getting more shots, but having more responsibility on the court, right? It makes the game more natural for RJ because he slides into like the Robin role, the, the two role, number two guy. He's a high usage guy. You know, I'm, I'm not the biggest RJ fan, but he typically plays better when Randall's not playing on the floor than when he is. Um, Quentin Grimes got more shots. Emmanuel quickly takes more responsibility. Even Donovan Mitchell said it himself. You know, in post game, it's a different team when Randall's not on the floor because they play faster and they move the ball around. Everybody eats and they're better probably on defense. Now, listen, Jared Allen, could they have played Josh Hart at the four with Jared Allen playing also? Probably not. I don't think that's like a, a solution. I still think Tom Thibodeau's a fucking idiot for only playing Obi Top in 18 minutes. Like that guy's gone. You might as well just 
like trade him this offseason. Like Tibbs, he's not a Tibbs guy. Tibbs is not going to play him, um, but he should play more. And um, you know, it was the vision I had of the team. You know, because think of it this way, like you know. And I'm just because I'm always forward looking, man. So it's like if you're going to build a championship team and you could get three first round picks for Julius Randle, I mean, you know, it's not the way it, like I, I would do that deal in a heartbeat um, personally. But but uh, that's just me. But do you, do you believe in diminishing returns? Yeah. Why? So the, the Knicks already have a surplus of first round picks. And the, the way I think they might be looking at it, I'm not saying you need to look at it this way or that I look at it. I'm, this is just how the Knicks might be looking at it. Um, when, when they already have a surplus of first-round picks, they have all of their own. They have protected picks from other teams, um, which, you know, have their, their own different value but are first-round picks and, and could be part of a larger package. Um, I, I think that, at a certain point, you know, stocking up a, a million first-round picks to hope to use them to get good players it is a good philosophy. But when you get to the point of trading good players to get more first-round picks that you hope turn into good players or that you can hope to trade for good players, that's, th- that's like the line in the sand. That's where I think the Knicks see it as too far. Um, I think you might see them do that with Barrett this offseason, not for picks, but to change the team. Um, because when you look at, you know, who the Knicks have been targeting recently and, and you know, the pull-up shooting, the defense, uh, spacing the floor, um, you know, the, uh, he doesn't fit enough of the bill for me to be confident that he'll be here long-term. And I think if the Knicks don't think he'll be here long-term, then they would see value in, in moving him, you know, sooner rather than later so maybe the 2024 offseason um, i would do that in a heartbeat uh but I, I i don't see them moving randall who who you know should make all nba this year uh third team probably if he doesn't um that you know understandable but uh just not you know I, I, if like you say marketing makes it then that would be inconsistent with um the nba's you know policies on on winning and how that affects those awards so yeah, it would be it would be interesting. I think marketing needs to be most improved, but um, you know, regardless, I, I just think it's uh, it, it's too far to to them when you. They're not going to do it. I know they're not going to trading do it. good players to get picks to try to get good I, players I, with those picks. I think what Ari is trying to say is that if you don't believe you can win a championship with Julius Randle as your best guy, and well, I don't that, think that's, I, and I don't think that's playing. a, and I don't think that's a stretch to say, then you move him for assets that can help you get to that point. They have the assets to get to that point already. And so, then Randle as their third guy behind. Right. So here, so here's where we, here's where I, this is the island that I have been on. Um, that this idea that Julius Randle, who was the king of New York, is all of a sudden just going to accept being the Chris Bosh, because as they've, we've learned, and when you have three stars, someone got to be Chris Bosh. And I just Kevin don't Love. see... Yes, or Kevin Love. And I do not see Julius Randle, with everything we know about him, gleefully and happily accepting being the third banana on the New York Knickerbockers. Not so, so 
everyone said that going into this season about him and and about Brunson and how he wouldn't give Brunson the ball and different things and you know well, well I well I mean that but, age how it did but, so. but but Brunson was the point guard so like Brunson's always gonna have the ball in his hand it's like like remember positions aren't real Brent, no but I mean like have the ball in their hands over Randall last year because no I I. Okay, hold on. Let me. Okay, let let let's. Okay, there's a difference between comparing um, Jalen Brunson to Alec Burks. Um, like so, for example, when LeBron went to Cleveland, and they people said like, "Oh, what is going to happen to Kyrie? How's this going to work out?" Da, da, da. And I was like, "Kyrie's the, Kyrie is the nominal point guard. Kyrie's going to have the ball in his hands because that's Kyrie, and you're not taking the ball out of his hands because Kyrie will unless he will share the ball, but this like, he's not going to become a corner boy." And we saw what happened. And 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 two against Boston and quickly when he had it going. Excuse me. Randall deferred to the nominal two uh, in Boston and quickly when he had it going. Absolutely, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, I can't take that and be like, oh well, he's not going to defer to Devin Booker because he's too good for that. No, what I'm saying is the difference between all right now we have a point guard who. Now we have a point guard who's going to have the ball in his hands who I legit trust for me to defer to as the one as to become the two versus the one. The difference between that and, okay, Julius Randle, the, Jalen Brunson has the ball in his hands and insert star here is going to have the ball in his hands. You go have this, like, you're the third banana. Like, he's going to get half as many shots. Yeah, like, yeah, his usage is going to drop. Like, his youth, there's no way he's going to have a 29 usage. So then, and then how does he react? And how does he react to that? So I, that's why I'm like, at some, I said last year, and I said it for different reasons, that the next great New York Knicks team won't have Julius Randle on it because I just and listen, I I would be more than willing and happy to be wrong, but I do not see a world where Julius Randle again, who was the king of New York and was a two-time All NBA player, all of a sudden decides to become Chris Bosh. Like if that happens, kudos to me, but I'm not holding my breath. That's all. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with that. But the, the the I just want to wrap this up. Like the real the real take I have is that because of this injury right now, I personally don't think he's going to be back for the start of the playoffs, um, if at all. But because of the injury, it's going to justify. Like it's going to be hard to kind of analyze the season and you know figure out what to do next if you have that excuse of oh, Randall wasn't playing or Randall was injured, he wasn't 100%. You don't know how to, like, move in the future because of that. That's my concern. No, I I, I, I agree. Um, I, that's, that's okay. And you know what? That's that's um, preventative and that's proactive. And, and I think that that line of thinking does lead to productive conversation. So I, I don't mean to... I, I'm just, you know, kind of like going back and forth with you here because because uh, that, that's the show. But I, I really do like think you're raising good points. I would I would just say um, this Knicks front office has been a lot of times it's been said that they oh they're they're gonna fold under the pressure they're gonna they're gonna make the dumb win now move they're gonna you know and they've been almost chastised for playing it too safe so far right that they the one time they got 
roasted for being too aggressive was giving Jalen Brunson his deal. Um, don't need to discuss that. So, yeah, I, I think that there's been no indicators thus far that you should be worried that they will make any poor decisions based off of the sample size of information they've got. Um, now, listen, if they had traded Emmanuel quickly after the rumors to start the year, instead of giving him a chance to to really go out and, and get some minutes and, and uh, play well, which he did, if they had not removed Derrick Rose from the rotation uh, for no matter who it was, Reddish, McBride, whatever, like if these different things didn't happen, if they made a trade for a backup point guard because they thought Rose wasn't good enough, even though they never gave McBride a chance, what right? Like, sure, you totally have like really strong legs to stand on. But I think that the legs you're standing on now are valid in terms of philosophy, but not empirical evidence. And so like, that's why I'm was quick to kind of kick the legs out from under it. But no, like you, you're, what you're saying is legit. It's just, they haven't done something that would indicate that they would mess that up. I'm mostly talking about their, their like what they're going to do with Rand. Like this is a big, this was going to be a big playoffs for Randall. Now he finally has a point guard. He proved me wrong and got his all NBA level of play in the regular season. He got fucking Jalen Rose now. Quickly's the, the, the you know growing up before eyes. He got a squad. Let's see how he does in the playoffs. And if he if he played well in the playoffs, all right, build around this fucking core. If he d- plays like shit in the playoffs, then that's a different conversation and a different you know thing that you have to do next year on him. Maybe you do trade him. Maybe I don't I don't know. But if he su- but now we don't know because he's injured. And even if he does come back and play. All the fucking company men are just going to use it as an apologist. Like, oh, he was hurt, was hurt. It's going to buy him. It basically buys this regime another season to build around the same guy without knowing whether or not that guy is legit or not in the playoffs. It's just an unfortunate situation that he got hurt. That's a, that's not, um, that is not a unfair. That's a, I think that's a valid criticism to have. Like if we like, if for some reason he, is hurt and he cannot play 100 percent then it's like oh well we don't know what's going on um and 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 that could put a monkey wrench into team building going forward i think it's a valid concern to have um i want to get to the questions thank you r i appreciate it this is a great conversation thank you for coming up um i want to get to some of the questions that were posted and then we'll get to um we'll get to horace and i-95 um and then we'll probably wrap up after that um I do want to make sure that we do get to all of the uh, the the requests and the questions in the chat. Um, so I posted them, and I which I posted on the jumbotron. So I will go. I will scroll from. I will scroll from the back. Um, LS eighty seven NY says, "I think of all players, Grimes is the key to whether we have enough." We know what we're going to get most nights from quickly Brunson Hart in the centers. We know RJ will be up and down, and Grimes shoots shoots well. We have enough. I think that is that is a player that I think we've really only begun to really scratch the surface on because again, like you know, when you have three high usage guys, like there's only so much that um, Grimes can do. Um, 
I don't know if and when and how we can see what Grimes is fully capable of, but I do think you're right. Like if we, if he maxes out, I think then we do have enough. But then again, there's only one ball, and there's only but so many shots to go around. So we got to figure we got to figure something out. Um, next, I'll go to next is Johan Peters. Despite viewing QG as a nice young player, play people still don't realize how good he really is. Knicks drafted a stud here. I agree, and I think a not enough is given to the fact that we hit, we struck gold on the 25th pick in the draft both years. And this is a team, and think about it, this is a team that picked in the lottery four straight years and the best player, and three of those guys are no longer on this team, and one of them start, and only one of them starts. Um, so for us to hit gold, for, for us to strike gold with the 25th pick, um, two years in a row with Grimes quickly is amazing. Shout out to all parent. Chris, feel free to interrupt me anytime if you have any comments that you want to, um, any response to any of these tweets, by the way. Um, um, I would uh, just say uh, Wes, Wes gets a shout for quickly. Um, yep, absolutely. Uh, there's a, this narrative that's pushed out there by the oddest people frankly sorry who who believed that it wasn't Wes and that it was actually Dice Yoshimoto and Tibbs who were responsible for Emmanuel Quickly's drafting Tibbs has liked lots of guys that have ended up being really good he wanted them to get Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara um Tibbs was not pro Emmanuel Quickly as a prospect so that that's just like so false it's not slander to say that it's just what happened um Tibbs loved Grimes. He loved McBride. Those two guys, pretty much everyone actually agreed on. Um, and that's why they were like, oh, we've got to get them both, you know? And uh, they're both good. So that's that. Thank you for showing that and appreciate you, Chris. Um, so I got JB. I said his already. Uh, oh, Chris, this is a question from you from LS87NY. Um, do we know that the Knicks made the right bet about the Dallas pick being better than their pick, or was that Portland made the wrong bet? Yeah, I think that we don't know that the Knicks had the choice and just picked one. I think the fact that the Knicks never trade first-round picks and then happened to – yeah, that was not – coincidence so um i don't think it was a situation where portland was like oh we'll take either one you guys just pick i think the knicks pushed to send their pick because it was viewed as the more valuable like i think portland asked for it and they were like oh okay all right thank you chris um i think that's a good point like the knicks the knicks had an idea of uh they had an idea of where our season was going and where Dallas' season was going. So, shout out to them. Um, next, C.T. Pittman. Uh, shout out to C.T. Pittman, longtime KFS supporter. And I think it's in response to uh, J.B. JB Fortis's, uh, um questions earlier. He says, we've already overachieved. Everyone had us pegged as a playing team this season. Everything else that happens from here is over-delivered, 100. And I agree. I had this team winning. You know what? I am going to lose $100 because I bet on this team to make the play-in. And I have 
no problem lighting that hundred dollars on fire if that mean if that means that we got to a fifth seed and won a first round playoff series. But even if we don't win a first round playoff series, like I'm I'm happy to do it. And next year I'll learn my lesson to not to go on DraftKings and bet seeding instead of playing tournament. Because now I'm gonna lose I'm gonna lose money because the Knicks are too good. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Um Shout out to the boss, Robert Cross says, let me be real clear. Let me be real clear. We are afraid of facing no NBA team. None. 53 wins. Robert, you damn right we're not afraid. Like, I don't think we'll beat every team, but there is no team that scares. Actually, well, there's one team that bothers me, and that is the Toronto Raptors, because they turn into the freaking 88 Lakers whenever they play us, and it's really annoying. Um, like, they're fighting for their playing lives. Their head coach basically said, like, I'm done after this shit. I've had enough. And they play against us, and they turn into whatever. But, you know, every team, every team has their bogey team, and they're ours this year, so... Um, and then last one from I-95 Bully, he says, how many teams have three legit stars, though? Um, well, the last team that did, um, they couldn't wait to give him away, and that's the Lakers. Um, do I think that will prevent the oh, this front off? That's not fair. What's not fair? Westbrook was not a legit star when they acquired him. So they, they... Uh, Well, wait a minute. Hold on, Chris. You think they didn't think he was? What? Like, wait a minute. You think the Los Angeles Lakers didn't think he was? And that's like when they acquired him? That doesn't make him one. He was never one. So when they. Okay, got he's not a superstar, but he's a star player. So when they got him and he wasn't good, they were like, oh my God, what's this happening in front of us? It's like, yeah, they should have known. Everyone else did. So. Um, that no, he's a star. He's not a superstar. But, is he a star? Yes, but the thing is, so, so you can have a you can have, but you can star, also have a star and not win. Is if jeez, oh, I don't want to. This is this is good. Um, d- let's do it. Come on, let's if, do it. Let's get nuts. If, Come on. If he is the star, right? If he, all right, all right. Is <laughs> is Paulo a star? Who? Paulo. Paulo Banquero. Yeah. It's been only 10 minutes. Okay. Is Anthony Simons a star? Get, get out of here, please. I think I think that's a similar conversation. All right. Let me ask you this. What's your definition of star? Either someone who has the on-court impact, like Julius Randle, where even if they're not a you know, public figure of interest is a star caliber player. Um, or then someone like LaMelo Ball, who has not yet shown on the court why he is a is currently a star caliber player, but has shown why he will be one and has the off-court factor where I, I will gladly consider him a, a, a star at this point. I, I, I am a coach for kids age 4 to 14 over the summer, and the most popular shoe is the Mellow Ball 1 from Puma. I kid you not. They love that guy. If you say who's Mellow, they will say LaMelo Ball. They do not think of Carmelo Anthony. It's That kid's a star. It's insane, but he's a star. He's a star off the court. So I, I on the court, and me and, Ced, me and Cedric, who's an audience, shout out, said have this discussion all the time. Like, no, he's not a star on the court yet, but he's a, uh, he's, 
Okay. So listen, I, I you know what? I, the, I, I lean towards more towards Charles Barkley's version. It's like, okay, if you're a star, well, Charles Barkley said, if you're a star, you can, no, actually he said, if you're a superstar, you can win a first round playoff series, which I kind of lean towards. Like if you're that guy, if you in a sport where there's only five guys on the court and there's yep. only one ball, yep. you should win the first round playoff series, which is why when people tell me that Tracy McGrady is a hall of famer, I look at them sideways because you should have got a first round once, but that's another story for another day. I am not the biggest Russell Westbrook fan at all, but when Russell Westbrook in his prime, and clearly he's on the downside of his prime, in his prime, he's your best player. You can win 42 games and get to the playoffs. Like, like that, like, and there's a lot of guys that, like, Anthony Simons ain't doing that right now. Paolo Barcaro clearly ain't doing that right now. Russell Westbrook could do that right now. But then again, like, and that goal, see, what you're saying right now goes back to this, what I was saying earlier about Julius. Like, yo. The star off the court. I just think on the yes. like, on the court, is he better today than Derek White? Bro, personally, I don't think Russ should even be in the league, right? I think he's that bad. That's that. But here's the question. But here's the here's the question. That is awful. That's not that's not in good faith. That's not. No, I think but, he's but, terrible. I really. But he was on your television literally in the last week several times, playing, winning, contributing basketball. So that's just that's a yeah. Bad but thing. he 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 has too much usage. He he can't hit his jump shot. He, every team he oh, goes to watch gets the games over the last significantly worse. He's been, he's been great. I, I will ask you this: If Derek White is the best player in your team, how many games are you winning? I mean, that's 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 that, that, I mean, like like listen, I don't. I'm not a big fan of Westbrook, but like I've seen him be the best player on like 45 win teams. I don't think that Derek White is going to do that. He so, he wasn't the best player on the Wizards team that year, right? So that's that we're talking about recent. I'm, to, I'm talking about OKC, like yeah, that was when the Obama administration. I mean, I'm talking well, about but, okay. What I'm saying is now, okay, that okay. If Westbrook now <laughs> as a best player in team, no. But if Westbrook is your third banana in theory, it should work. But then again, like I said with Julius, Westbrook is your third banana. Eh. All right, we are going way long. He's a sixth right. man. He's a sixth man at the at this point in his career. I agree. He's a six man. You Very agree. inefficient a six man. Is Emmanuel quickly a star? Not right now. Oh, okay. Because if you said yes, I would have thrown you down a flight of stairs. <laughs> no, man. Not right now because he, because he does not have that juice yet. He plays at the caliber of a star. I think he's top 60 in the league today. I also think that he's going to be top 50, 40 very soon. I also think that he's not there yet. So I know he's seen as a six man of the year. That's the juice he's got right now. That juice is because Nick's Twitter bet so much goddamn money on Emmanuel Quickly to win six man of the year. That I strongly believe this, by the way. Nick's Twitter bet so much money on Quickly to win six man of the year at plus 20,000 that the people who get paid like salaries to investigate stuff like that were like, why the hell are people doing this? And they had to adjust the odds because, you know, they can't keep letting that payout exist if so many people are taking it. So they've got to move the line. As the line moved, people who get paid salaries to write articles about lines moving did so and got him more exposure. And then everyone was tuned into him. And I really think that, you know, like social media helped win him this award. But that's the juice he's got now. So he's not a star now. Shout out to me. I can't wait to cash this uh, 101 ticket for Emmanuel quickly. 
For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100, or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's get to Horace, and then I-95 Billion will wrap up. Horace, the floor is yours. Hey, yo, shout out to everybody. Yo, great conversation. I also want to, like, bring something up that you just stopped talking about, the Julius Randle injury. Um, the fact that it's going to be an excuse if he's, quote, unquote, still hurt. I just, as an ankle sprain, Three weeks of healing, it just seems like for him, for a person who never misses a game, he's going to look 100%. Like, maybe people will make that excuse, but I don't think anybody should accept that excuse unless we see an actual re-injury in series. You know, because Pat Mahone played two weeks on a high ankle sprain, which is usually an eight- to ten-week injury. So if 
if you're a guy that's going to carry a team, you should be able to play on the on that low ankle sprain in three weeks. So I don't think do do we really think that's going to be a factual thing or just a narrative that people are going to make up if he plays bad? I will say this. So first of all, I'm also about Patrick Mahomes. I'm also convinced that Patrick Mahomes went to Germany and came back in a week. Because you need to go to Germany and come back in a week. All right, no, that, yeah, yeah, right. But like, but I also say this. Like, look, uh, the the night after the Julius injury, I saw Don Mitchell roll his shit against the Hawks, and he didn't miss a game. Right, so like everyone is different. I don't know, like Julius is Iron Man, but I don't know how he's gonna react. The fact that like you know he's being reevaluated in two weeks when Donovan Mitchell is literally rolled his shit, and I was like, yo, because I was like, yo, that dude might not play on that dude might not play on Friday because they don't really need the game, and there he was. So um, I think what it, what it comes down to is that like if he doesn't play, if he doesn't play well. Whether it's because of the ankle injury or not, that reason will exist. And then to Ari's point, it becomes harder to evaluate what it is, like what needs to be done going forward. Because the silver lining of the 2021 playoffs was that, and listen, Lord knows Evan and Kemba weren't it, but like the silver lining was like, this team was like, all right, we just can't run this shit back next year. Um, so this year, like if they've, I'm not saying that they're going to trade Julius, or whatever, but like when it comes to like, okay, how can we make this team better? The, the elephant in the room is going to be like, well, we may not know how good Julius could have been because this is possible. His ankle injury bothered him. So we'll see. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not going to act like I know. I'm not going to act like I know if he's how he's, when he's going to come back, but it, it, it's not something, it's not something that can be just dismissed. So, yeah, so like Ari's saying is most likely actually going to happen, except for that one thing that may happen is he might actually play, play well. So, oh, well, yeah, if he plays well, this whole shit is moot. Yeah, yeah, but if he plays, like, decent, it'll be something in the middle. But I, I actually think he'll play decent. I don't think he'll play well or play bad. If you play the Cavaliers, I don't love the matchup, him and Evan Mobley. I don't like a mobile guy who's bigger, who's taller than him, but more mobile than him. I don't, I don't like that matchup. I actually shout out to Mensa. I like that matchup because he's gonna put his he's gonna put his shoulder in Evan Mobley's chest and make them shits touch. So yeah, I mean, like the physicality. The that's the that's the that's the advantage, and you know that could happen. But so I'm I'm a little worried about the length. Even if he does do that, that he still has to worry about the length. But I don't expect. Him oh, to I agree with you on the length. Yeah, I don't expect him to carry the team this that series. Is basically the point. I don't expect him to go 25, 10. I don't expect. I expect him just to play good ball. So, on the random point, we kind of know he's not going to get moved regardless. And thank you guys for letting me talk. And shout out to you guys for the last game. Um, Josh Hart. I thought he was amazing in filling in and Obi Toppin. He was amazing. And shout out to those two guys for filling in and making it look like we don't need you, Luis Randall. That was awesome. No, thank you, Horace. Appreciate you. And I will say this. Um, there was actually a play yesterday where Mobley had the ball against Hart. I think I was on the wing or on like near the block. And he just gave it right back up. Like he didn't want to deal with the physicality of Josh Hart, who he probably has 
four inches on? Uh, more than that, probably. Um, yeah, probably more like five inches on. He, he, so, he cannot use his height with the ball in his hands. Only on yeah, these so, is good. Yeah. So defensively, I think Mobley, and I so one of the reasons why I think you know we can beat them is because um, Mobley isn't there offensively yet, and he cannot. And if he can't, if he has problems with Josh Hart, what the hell is he going to do against Julius Randle, who's strong as a freaking ox, right? So. Listen, like I said, the streets need six or seven games of this. Um, I would rather it be six because the Garden needs to see a closeout series, but whatever. Uh, appreciate you. Um, let's go to I-95 Bully. I-95, what's good, brother? How are hey, you? what's going on? What's going on, Chris? What's going on, Sean? What's up, man? I just had, um, I kind of came in uh, midway um, through Ari's um, points that he was making, and it just um, gave me even more questions. And we were talking about a third option. We were talking about Chris Bosch and the name Kevin Love, you know, was also mentioned. And I'm, I'm looking at the, the contenders and I'm like, how many of the, these guys have like three legit stars? Like those guys, like one, a guys. And it seems like the league is kind of transitioning away from that. But then it also gave me another question. It's like, what does Julius Randle look like as a third option? Like as a third option, you have to catch and shoot. You have to play consistent defense all the time. And so, like, to be honest, I'm not really interested in, in Julius as a third option. Like, if it comes to that, I would. I don't want to move the guy, but I would say, you know, move him for an upgrade. But I don't know about him as a third option, his play style. If it works, uh, it's an uh, honest question to have. I'm not saying it does or it doesn't, but I'm just not sure. And then um, J.B. Fortis, you know, he – you said it earlier in another space as well. He says, you know, the Knicks have enough, this and that. And my question is, like, enough for what? I mean, at the end of the day, the goalposts have moved. This team has shown they're not a playing team. So do they have enough to, you know, beat this team, the Cavs, in a seven-game series? They have enough if all the players play to the back of their, their basketball cards. And that's, like, the one good thing about this team. As long as they do their job, you know, I don't think they should be afraid of anyone. I mean, we saw what happened to Milwaukee, and we saw what we did against, you know, Boston and, and the Sixers. So, for me, get past the first round. You do have enough to get past the first round if everybody just does their job. But I'll land my plane here. Do you guys think, you know, Julius would actually fit as a third option? Like, forget all the, the emotional, mental side of it, but just from the on-court basketball do you guys think it would actually work with him as a third option? I don't think so. And I think that the, maybe not the emotional, I'll take the emotional part to the side, but the mental part of it, because again, like, like you can't ask somebody who went like, who gets who takes the most shot and has the highest usage on the team and say, all right, now you're just, now you're a corner boy because you're, you're a corner boy. And to your point, like your third best player has to be able to catch a shoot and they have to be able to defend at a high level most of the time. And I don't see Julius being that guy. I, I actually think that Julius would is would be better as a six man than a third option because as a six man, he can do all the shit he wants to do again and could and destroy second units. But like I just don't like in 2K, yes, you have Julius in the corner. He's gonna you could you could make him play D, you can make the shots, whatever, but like as the third, I just don't see it. And that's just from basketball. And again, you're telling someone who again was the king of New York City 
to be like, hey, guess what? It's over for all that. You stand in the corner. You become Chris Bosh. Cut your uses in half. I'll tell this quick story. My friend, well, my, my best friend Dorian is a Laker fan. And I remember when the Lakers acquired Glenn Rice in the early 2000s. And everyone's like, oh, shit, they got Glenn Rice. Look what's going to happen. Da, 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 da. Look what we did in Charlotte and in Miami. And he wasn't as good. And my man Dorian was like, yo, I don't understand why this dude, he was this in Miami, and now he's this in, in, in for the Lakers, for my team. What's going on? And I remember my other best friend, Allie, told him, like, yo, it's hard going from 25 shots a game to 10. Because guess what? If you had 25 shots a game and you start one of seven, it's like, all right, I still got more shots to move. I still have more hey, shots. Sean. When you start oh, when you start one of 10, real quick, when you start one of seven, I don't know if you could, like, you guess what, brother? You're only getting 10. So let me, let me ask you this this one last question, man, because we were talking about six, six man of the year, things like that, who's better off the bench. And I went through this exercise in my head the other day. Um, I, was, I was talking to my wife about it. I said, imagine if the extensions for RJ and Quickly were in a reverse. So let's say RJ was up for an extension this year and Quickly got his last year. And I have a feeling that IQ is going to be one of the highest paid players on the team, you know, probably two, you know, the second highest paid player on our team. And I said, no, do you really want that, you know, coming off the bench? And then they had me thinking about RJ. Not, not say anything about the kid, his play style. I'm not, I'm not going there, but I kind of have a feeling if Cookley gets, you know, what he deserves, he, he's probably going to be starting. We may end up seeing RJ off the bench, do you think that's realistic for this team to insert for next year? Not not now, but for next year to have RJ coming off the bench because if IQ is the highest paid player or second highest paid player, and if he's not, IQ is probably not even going to take the extension this year. If if Cook doesn't get what he wants, he'll probably take it into next year into restricted free agency, and somebody's going to throw him a huge bag. So knowing that you're going to have to pay him a lot of money, does it make sense for him to still be the sixth man? I will say this, if I don't think that the King of New York would ever accept a demoted role, I don't think the prince that was promised would accept a demoted role. And I don't think we'll ever find out if he has to accept a demoted role on this team. That's all I'll say. I think that if he's paid like a starter and closes games like he has been, or rather has the opportunity to earn closing games like he has and has been, there will be no issues. Um, If one of those two things does not come to fruition, so say he's paid like a starter, but then never really has the opportunity to ever close games, um, or he's paid like a starter, sorry, or he has the opportunity to close games, but... He's not paid like a, offered to be paid like a starter. I'm sorry, there's my Indian food. Um, basically, I can see him being unhappy. If neither of those things comes to fruition, I can definitely see him being unhappy. If both of those things come to fruition, I can see him being just fine, staying on a four for 100 or whatever, and, and uh, you know, yeah. Thanks, I-95. Appreciate you. All right. Um, I said we was going to wrap up after I-95, but we have to let um, 
the boss Robert W. Cross take us home. Um, who um, loves to harass me on the? T- okay, first of all, I don't know where 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 in Oregon are you? That sounds like there's a bear behind you. Central Oregon. All right, are you in, are you safe? I'm I'm safe, and I'm I'm in a car right now. It's a little it's a little windy. Hey, we could we could tell we could tell what's up what's up robert how are you i'm good i'm good it's uh great to have study hall today thanks for taking the time out of your schedule i just i'll, I'll keep it real sweet and kind of on point um i'm chiming in in part from my friend menza uh, it's very clear that Cleveland Cavaliers are no match for the Knicks. We're not worried about it at all. At most, it's five games. It could be a four-game sweep. I just want to note that. And as you know, I know you're kind of holding back a bit. Everyone that's afraid of the Mavericks, I think we both know that there is a chink in their armor. We can match up with them. Eastern Conference Finals are preordained. We will be there. It doesn't matter who we play. There's going to be some magic this year, just like 1999. So we're, we're going to find it. Thank you very much. I, you have been on the, the 53-1 bandwagon last year. It made you look like a complete fool this year. You listen. Um, I'm gonna mute you because I'm getting some feedback. Don't be offended. Um, this year, and and Seth was m- m- mentioning this. Like, if we didn't blow the the first game to Dallas, like if 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 we get one rebound against Dallas, if we hit our free throws against Chicago, um, there's and I'm sure there's two other games because Lord knows the Knicks never playing laughers. We may have 53 wins, which is crazy, but here we are. Um, so thank you very much. And thank you to everyone who pulled up today. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, before we wrap up, uh, Chris, do you have any last comments or anything else you want to say? Sure. I would say um, I know nothing about Julius Randle's injury. Um and I, so people are at, people have been asking me, no, I don't know. Um, Thibodeau said it wasn't, you know, high ankle or whatever. It's just, yeah. Um, and then aside from that, I, I think Knicks Cleveland goes six, no matter who wins. I think you get six games played at least in that series. And uh, other than that, to Nick fans, thanks for coming out. Thanks for participating in the show. Um, continue to enjoy your nice season. Um, and I'll continue to keep doing my best uh, reporting on it. So thanks for the support on the page. Thanks for coming out today. Um, go follow Sean if you don't. If you're here from the KFS account and you somehow don't follow Sean, go check. Are you? Go go, go check. You, you got time. Go check. Are you following Sean? Go follow Sean. Um Go follow me, I guess. Go follow me on Instagram or whatever. Same username is here. Whatever you want to do. Nick Film School, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Go check it out. Um, and tune in next Tuesday on the Nick Film School YouTube where I'll be live again talking about the NBA draft. So you can ask questions. I'll answer them. 
See ya. And thank you, Chris. And yes, absolutely. Check into check in to Chris on Tuesday on YouTube, Twitter, or the podcast the next day for dreams, draft rules, everything around me. He's watched tons of tape and not just a damn tournament, so he actually knows what he's talking about. Um Tune in tomorrow if you well, we are recording this on Saturday. So tomorrow on Sunday after the after we play the Wizards and hopefully beat the Wizards um, for John on the post game. And then check us out during the week, you know, for John and Jeremy to recap the week that was. Uh, as I said earlier, you could catch Chris on Dream. Um, make sure you tap into Andrew Claudio's game previews with 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 people who cover the opposing team. They've been very very helpful, especially if you're a gambler like myself. And you can tap into and you can tap into on Friday for Casual Friday. Uh, we recorded a great episode myself, Mensa, and XJ. Shout out to them. And also just tap in during the week, man. We got a lot going on. If you're not a patron, sign up and become a patron. Back. Shout out the Patreon. Shout out the Casual Crew. Absolutely. Um, for as little as seven dollars a month, get you an extra podcast of, for per week and access to our playbacks, where you can see me, Menson, XJ, uh, speak in Spanish, argue about low management, and crack jokes about teams, and watch me win bets live on the air. Because as I've been telling you on the timeline, uh, two threes in the first three minutes of the game is a freaking wagon for Knicks game that is hit like. I think it's only missed like five times. One of the times is yesterday. Uh, one of the times against Orlando. But this joint hits damn there every week, every game. Bet that, please. Make money. I'm telling you, we're here. We're gonna make the freaking sports books pay for doubting us. The same way how we're gonna make them pay for putting Emmanuel quickly at 200 to one on February. That was crazy. So for Chris Persiani, I am Sean for W. Thank you for listening. Guess what, Cleveland? It's the first of the month and you're in the mud.